0: Hello. Hey. How's it going? Great. How are you?
1: I'm good. Yeah, you are. It's um. I just realized I'm a little bit cold.
0: Mm. Well, you know what? We'll warm up with a little showy show.
1: <laughs> Welcome back to Great Lakes Confidential. Thank you. With Angie and Marty. Hello. It is spooky season.
0: Spooky season.
1: It's my favorite time of year.
0: Favorite time of year.
1: I have a skeleton on my desk at work. Yeah. And every week I change. The jokes. Yeah. He has different jokes. Mm-hmm. And since I started doing that, a coworker of mine comes upstairs every morning to tell me a skeleton joke. Yeah. And it is my favorite time of day. You
0: would say you have a, a ghost rider?
1: Yes. That's funny. Yeah. He thought he was going to stump me the other day. Did he really? He thought he was going oh. to. He came upstairs and he says, I got a joke for you. And I was like, lay it on me, sister. I didn't call him sister, Mm -hmm. but anyways, so he says, how, oh, also, I should probably let you guys know, my skeleton has a name.
0: Yes, he does. It is
1: Vincent Van Bone. Vincent Van Bone. Yes, so he, so my coworker comes upstairs and he's like, I got a joke for you. Mm -hmm. How does Vinny start his car?
0: How does Vinny start his car? Yeah. No, that was me asking. Oh, you don't know? Do you know how to tell a joke?
1: <laughs> no, I do not.
0: Start over, start over, start over.
1: How does Vinny start a car? How does Vinny start a car? With a skeleton key. Yeah! yeah. See, that's how it's done. A little, he didn't uh, stump into... me. He didn't stump me.
0: No, you're unstumpable. i watched was... enough Wheel of Fortune and Jeopardy with you to know this.
1: Well, he has gotten me to... Actually, he almost got me today. Well, he did kind of get me today, but my mm. answer was good, too what is vinny's favorite meal
0: what's vinny's favorite meal
1: i said spare ribs
0: mm-hmm. that's a good one
1: it is but he said a t-bone oh that's good too. <laughs>
0: both good so good yeah he's got a couple favorite so meals.
1: so i anyways it like i said it's my favorite part of the day i get such a kick out of seeing him walk up the stairs i'm mm-hmm.
0: so excited your coworker, not the the skeleton
1: Well, no, I mean, the skeleton and my coworker, when they both come up the stairs, I get real excited.
0: I'd get kind of scared seeing the skeleton.
1: Well, you're a fraidy cat, so, but it's... I've never been
0: properly introduced to uh, Vincent, Mr. Van Bone.
1: Mr. Van Bone. It's just, it's so funny to me that, like, the reaction, people come to my desk and we have a, um, upstairs in the office where I sit with the, like, accounting girls, Mm Mm-hmm. It's an open. It's an open office. Oh
0: yay!
1: And we all have our little tiny. We don't even have cubicles like they don't have the the tall walls. You know, well, um, it's like
0: the egg, egg carton as I call it.
1: Yeah, kind of, but it's it's actually not bad. It all you depends know? on your coworkers. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably true too. But the guys when they sell cars, they have to come up and the accounting girls yeah. and like I don't really fully understand the process. But anyways, a lot of our salespeople come upstairs to work with the office women for Mm -hmm. whatever they're working on license plates and stuff like that right titles and all that so when i first started decorating my my office my space my desk i put up skeleton lights Mm -hmm. and everybody would come by and they'd be like oh that's festive because i did those back in august september Mm -hmm. i had to figure out how months go so I put some of those up in September, and they were like, "Well, you're festive," and I'm like, "I'm, a, you know, it's almost spooky season. Like this is this is who I am as a person." Yeah. And then I put put the skeleton up there, put Vinny up there, and so now people come to my desk to see if they if he has a new joke, and we, you know, I post it on Facebook, and I actually am putting it in the monthly newsletter, and it's his jokes. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm now doing the newsletter at work. And so for November, we're going to have a couple of pages dedicated to Halloween decorations and our costume contest. Yeah. So I threw all the pictures of Vinny and his jokes in there because it's, you know, he's part of the he's yeah, part, part of the team. team. That's so, right. He's, he's the
0: mascot for spooky season. That's what I said. Well, yeah.
1: actually, not just spooky season, we have decided that we're leaving Vincent Van Bone. All year long. Oh no, kidding! So we're gonna get him like costumes for Christmas, costume for Thanksgiving, a Christmas one. It'd be a little pilgrim for Thanksgiving. Yep. Yep. So we're keeping him. Oh, he is the office mascot. Grim. Ooh, I I like it. All right, so we're totally off track. Anyways, spooky season. Love it so much. I hope everybody is enjoying the colors changing on the leaves. They are gorgeous.
0: Yeah, I drove through Rouge Park the other day. It looked uh, beautiful. What
1: colors did you see?
0: All of them. It was like that perfect time where, uh, you know, you're seeing blazes of oranges and reds mm-hmm. and the leaves haven't, like, fallen yet, yeah. you know, so it's just, uh, like, it looked like a little tourism picture. So coming home right today... there in Detroit.
1: So coming home today, I realized that our neighborhood is full of yellow leaves. Yeah. So it got me thinking, like, is the color of the leaf, the leaf, leaves... Is it based on, like, the tree? I would think so. Because we have a lot of the same types of trees, right? Like, in the summertime, they all look the same. And now all I'm seeing are a bunch of yellow leaves on the ground. Mm -hmm. So, but then in other neighborhoods, I'm seeing, like, well, not neighborhoods. I don't go to other neighborhoods. But, like, driving around, like, you know, every now and again... I mean, we live in the city, so there's not a whole lot of trees once you leave your actual little neighborhood. Yeah, but, I mean, there's
0: quite a few trees still. It's not like we live, you know, on the the east side. We're still on the west side. Right, but I'm saying, trees. like,
1: you know, it's not like in our neighborhood the trees line the streets. Once you leave this little, you know, space and you're yeah. on Telegraph, you'll, right. you see like fewer trees. Right. But when I do see other trees, like they're red and orange and yeah. you know, very bright, vibrant, mm-hmm. but Some of them are very, very vibrant colors, Yeah, and we only have yellow. So I was just wondering if it's based on the tree. If anybody knows, let me know.
0: I think it could be. I don't know. I saw, um, I was coming up one of these uh, local streets, and there was a couple of trees that were closest to the road I I turned off of, Mm -hmm. were green still, and then just past those it started to change, so it looked really funny, kind of like there was a little dividing line. Yeah in the uh, the changing it's leaves so
1: weird how that works there's got to be some it has to be something to do with the certain type of tree because
0: that's just well i believe so because i mean maple leaves you know usually get that you know kind of blood red color
1: yeah and a maple leaf aren't maple leaves like a like a deep maroon anyways yeah, that's what I mean. like so yeah so when they, they're they changing red
0: and then you, you see like i don't know is it birch trees are more yellowish I don't know because we birch, don't really have birches around. No, because
1: birch have the white birch bark.
0: Right. So we don't have too many around here. But I think no. I want to say I, I remember seeing they they turn kind of yellowish, more mm. yellowish.
1: Well, listen, I'm not an arborist.
0: Yeah, Anymore. I don't.
1: I don't know. So if you know the answer, let us know. Put it on our Facebook page or send me an email. Something.
0: What you do know the answer to? What's that? County roots.
1: Oh yeah. Sorry. All right. See, we don't write this together, so I didn't know that the, that that was like the segment you were leaning into. Oh, no, I mean, we like could always, I had no idea. Yeah, if we're
0: not doing it. Go ahead and cut it.
1: All right. <laughs> Anyways, so yeah, county roots. Uh, we are to the letter M. Mm, M. M. There are a lot of counties that start with the letter M in Michigan. There are
0: thirteen. I was about to guess thirteen.
1: Lucky number thirteen. For Interesting. My son turned 13 yesterday. Happy birthday. As we are recording, it is the 13th. Whoa. And now there's 13 counties that begin with the letter M in our state.
0: And my name begins with an M. It does. And so does Michigan. It does. Wow. Coincidence. Or is there something more afoot?
1: Maybe. I don't know. All right. So...
0: Thirteen counties.
1: Thirteen counties. I'm going to try to get through this as quickly as possible because I didn't eat dinner yet and I am hungry. All right. Okay. First up is Mackinac County. Yeah, Mackinac. Mackinac County, Mackinac Island, Mackinac City, the Mackinac Straits all owe their names to the Native Americans who lived here centuries ago who called this region and the island Michilimackinac, or Michilimackinac. I don't know which one it is. Mackinac. The most the most accepted understanding of this word is that it roughly translates to mean "great turtle, turtle," possibly a reference to the island's shape.
0: Turtle Island, I believe, which is a reference to North America.
1: Well, it says "great turtle," okay, and that's from this is we. I get all of these from M Live. Okay, well, so Macomb County, Detroit-born Alexander Macomb was the commanding general of the U.S. Army from 1828 to 1841 and a major figure in the War of 1812. Macomb County, the third to be organized in the Michigan Territory,
0: was named after him. Take care, Macomb your hair. What? No, just go on. Okay.
1: Manistee County. On the west side of the state, there was a city, a county, and a river all named Manistee. Likely, the river's name came first, and while it's uncertain what its true roots are, it's believed to have come from an indigenous word, possibly one that meant river with islands at its mouth. An alternate theory is that it means spirit of the woods. Gotcha. Marquette County, the city and county of Marquette, were named after Jacques Marquette, also known as Pierre Marquette, a 17th century explorer and French Jesuit missionary who founded Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan's first European settlement.
0: the snowshoe priest.
1: Did we talk about that before on the show? I think think we did. He's come up
0: quite a few times. Marquette is kind of a central figure in Michigan lore.
1: Yeah, it's cool when you go up there because you can follow his... Yeah. They have his, like, footprints.
0: Right. The UP is Marquette country. Like, his uh, his bones are actually interred at the... Uh, in, uh, St. Ignace.
1: Interesting.
0: They just reinterred him this year.
1: Cool. Next up is Mason County. Mason County was named for Stevens T. Mason, the boy governor, who was appointed secretary of the Michigan Territory when he was just 19 years old. He went on to become the acting territorial governor and the state's first elected governor after statehood, from 1843 to—I'm sorry, from 1840 to 1843. However, Mason County was not not a Piquio County, which likely derived from the regional Native American name for the Pierre Marquette River. Macosta County, Macosta County gets its name from the English spelling of the name of a Native American chief. It's said that Macosta was among the ottawa and ojibwe representatives who traveled to washington to sign the treaty of 1836 which ceded nearly 14 million acres in the northern lower peninsula and eastern upper peninsula comprising 40 percent of michigan's current land
0: and they gave him a county i
1: wish somebody would give me a county
0: yeah after just giving all your land away after making you sign off on all your land well no and then just give you one little county and just name it after you also i don't have land
1: Menominee County, Menominee. Do, mm-hmm. do, 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 do. Menominee, do 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 Menominee, do-do-do-do, all right. I got gotcha. you. The indigenous word Menominee is said to mean wild rice people and may have been used to refer to the people of the Sequita Nation, who historically occupied parts of the Upper Peninsula and Wisconsin. The county's original name was Bleeker, but was changed to Menominee in 1863.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I know Manuman is the uh, Ojibwe word for ro- wild rice.
1: Hmm. Midland County, the county of Midland's name is pretty simple. It's
0: close to being in the middle of the lower peninsula. Makes total sense. But St. Louis isn't in Midland, is it? Mm, I don't know. I don't know offhand. I know St. Louis is the geographic center of the mid. Of the lower of yes. the hand, yes, ma'am. Okay, I've been there. They got a little, little, uh, little plaque and everything right Do there they? on the main street saying this right here, the geographic center of the Lower Peninsula. Hmm.
1: Actually, right I think I've seen that.
0: St. Louis, Michigan.
1: I believe I saw that once. Missaukee County. The etymology of Misaki is unclear. According to a research collection from the Michigan Pioneer and Historical Society, the name may refer to a word meaning wide mouth of a river. Monroe County. Monroe County was named for James Monroe, who was president at the time the county was formed in 1817. Next up is Montcalm County. The French Lieutenant General, who was the namesake for Michigan's Montcalm County, actually had a much longer moniker. Louis-Joseph de Montcalm-Gozan-Marquis de Saint-Viran.
0: Yeah, just call him uh, Montcalm.
1: Right. Montcalm, for short, was a commander of French forces during the French and Indian War. There is a street in Detroit named after him as well. Indeed. Mount Morency County, originally named Chene- Chenequit County after Chippewa chief. This county was renamed to Mount Morency, originally spelled with an I instead of a Y in 1843. The exact origins of the name are unclear, but theories suggest it may have referred to either a French duke or the first Roman Catholic bishop of Canada, both of whom had Montmorency with a Y, Montmorency with an I in their names.
0: I believe that's also a type of cherry, which was probably named after that same person or the same family. Oh,
1: interesting. And finally, Muskegon County. Muskegon County gets its name from the river that flows through it, which in turn likely got its name from an indigenous word meaning marshy river or swamp.
0: Yep. Home of the USS Silversides, Muskegon County. Hmm. Just going to keep throwing out little little trivial things. Whatever. So I'm a trivial man.
1: Word up. All right. So we've been doing Michigan true crime for Mm -hmm. the month of spooky. Yep. Today is Halloween the 13th, -hmm. and we are going to talk about a, quote-unquote, political movement. Okay. So, I think that it's weird that this is called a political movement, but, like, I'm also kind of not surprised, you know? So, anyways. All of the information today is from Wikipedia, History.com, and Our Detroit. So, apparently... I did not know this, but apparently the Ku Klux Klan started in 1865 on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Like, do these people think that terrorizing non-whites and, and Catholics were like...
0: Yeah, I mean, like, it, I know it started, you know... It was a good
1: way to celebrate Jesus? I don't understand.
0: I know it started post-Civil War with uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest starting it, like him and a bunch of uh, Civil War veterans, Southern veterans... Uh, you know, using it as an excuse to kind of terrorize people. They dressed as ghosts and rode through town and mm-hmm. all that stuff. I mean, you know, I, I, uh, I don't know. I don't want to comment too much on it cause I don't know too much about that, but I believe it wasn't, uh, quite the organization that it turned into as far as like lynchings and all that stuff at the beginning, but I'm not a, huh, I am not I do not want to, you know, yeah. don't nail me down on that. It's all, it's all bad in my book anyway.
1: Right. So I'm, so this show isn't about the KKK, but it's important to know that, that what we're talking about mm-hmm. started as part of sort of as part of the KKK. Right. Okay. So the KK started in 1865 And from then until about 1915, membership was up, and then membership was down, and Mm -hmm. then it was back up, and then it was back down. So in 1915, there was a revival near Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm.
0: Stone Mountain, Georgia.
1: At its peak in the 20s, the KKK was thought to have over 4 million members nationwide. Insane. Gradually, membership spread to changing and growing cities throughout the Midwest, including places like Cleveland, Indianapolis and Detroit, which is where the story is going to take us. Mm -hmm. So founded in 1920 by William Shepard as a paramilitary force, the Black Legion, then called the Black Guard, was originally formed to provide protection to regional officers of the KKK. So um, just a side note, I thought it was a little weird that, you know, the KKK being a violent organization felt that they needed protection.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, (laughs) no comment. You kind of, you know... I don't want to draw the obvious parallels to stuff going on in this country today, but you see uh, certain organizations and then certain paramilitary organizations that kind of exist to support those organizations, yeah. like the Proud Boys showing up at uh, right, you know, other right-wing rallies as kind of bodyguards and yeah. whatnot. I mean,
1: it's weird, right? It's like if you think you're doing right, why do you need other people to protect you yeah. as you're doing what you believe is right and true?
0: Hey, Jesus didn't have an army.
1: The Black Legion first formed chapters throughout Ohio. Just like the KKK, most of the members of the Black Legion were Protestant, working class, white men. Wikipedia says they were native-born, which I'm going to assume means native to Ohio.
0: Right. Or I think it just means white people born in America, not immigrants.
1: Right. Right. So, anyways, these dudes were afraid of, quote, rapid social changes. Hmm. They resented immigrants and feared migrants in the industrial economy of places like Detroit. They hated, quote, all immigrants, Catholics, Jews and blacks, non-traditional Protestant faiths, labor unions, farm cooperatives and various fraternal groups.
0: It's insane. Somehow the Catholics got themselves off the list, but otherwise that list still checks out for the uh, the enemies of, of the far right.
1: Right. And when you like when you think about it, like. I I just think that they were scared of losing their status. Mm-hmm. Right. They That's exactly it. They they didn't want to work as hard as other people were working to get what they wanted, right? Immigrants came to America for better lives and mm-hmm. were willing to do whatever it took to, to work, to find money, you know, right. to, to earn it.
0: Versus holding on to inherited power exactly. and inherited wealth and, and land that. and yeah. yeah. I mean it's the same story today.
1: Right. So all these spoiled white men were mad you know stomping mm. their feet you're right so these secret society weirdos operated in gangs they intimidated immigrants at work tried to enforce their morals onto others mm. another funny thing right you're mm-hmm. you're violently enforcing your morals yeah mm. <laughs> maybe you need to right. be maybe a you need person to, or i'll kill you like yeah look up the word morals mm. like start there so in 1931, a Black Legion chapter was formed in Highland Park, Michigan, by Arthur F. Lupp Sr. The Black Legion spread across the state with membership peaking somewhere between 20 and 30,000 people. Mm, too many. About a third of its members lived in Detroit, which was a strong center of KKK activity in the 20s. The Michigan Legion was, quote, organized along military lines with five brigades, 16 regiments, 64 battalions, and 256 companies, end quote. So not only were they violent with the people they didn't like, they were also sometimes violent with their recruiting efforts. They would kidnap people, they threatened them, and they beat them up if they threatened to quit after joining the Legion. Wow. They wanted sports figures to join them, attempting to recruit Detroit Tigers player manager Mickey Cochran. In 1936, due to suspicions of being part of the group, Cochran had a nervous breakdown and quit the team. Mm. So these people were awful, right? How awful, you ask? I'm going to tell you.
0: I got a feeling. Well, in
1: 1931, Earl Little was run over by a streetcar in Lansing. Authorities claimed it to be an accident or even a suicide, which really doesn't make sense at all. The preacher's son, Malcolm, believed it to be an execution by the Black Legion. Mm. Malcolm Little, who most of us know as Malcolm X, doubted his father could, quote, bash himself over the head, then get down across the streetcar tracks to be run over. My understanding is that in the location that this happened in Lansing, there is a plaque. Yeah, I saw a TikTok of a... I don't know if she's a paranormal investigator in Lansing or if she mm-hmm. just does a spooky podcast. And I'm really sorry that I didn't look this up prior to to kind of give her credit. But mm-hmm. somebody at some point a while back shared a video with me of her talking about it. So I, I believe the plaque is in Lansing. I can't recall the, the exact location. I want to say it's near the near Frandor Shopping Center. Oh, really?
0: Yeah. For some reason, I'm thinking near the, the Capital Airport, but I could be wrong.
1: I'm not sure. I really cannot remember. But if you're interested, look that you're up.
0: Friend or go get yourself a nice sub at, at Jersey Giant. Well, the thing about the, the plaque,
1: the thing about the plaque was that it was, um, it's been destroyed multiple times. You know, it's it's constantly being knocked down, and people have to get it put back up. And it's just, I mean, you know, don't get me started on all of that. But it's just crazy to think that, like, you're that mad. You hate people that badly that you're destroying a plaque. Right. You have serious anger issues. Like, get therapy. But anyways, there were other beatings, bombings, and killings during this time, but they mostly went unsolved. That is until 1936 when Charlie Poole was murdered in what is now Dearborn Heights. So this was happening for like five years at least with these killings and beatings and bombings that went. That went unsolved. So Charlie was 22, of French heritage and Catholic. He was married to Becky, who was a Baptist. Becky was pregnant with their second child in the spring of 1936. Charlie had been approached by the Black Legion to join the organization, but he said no. A legionnaire named Lowell Rushing was annoyed by some comments Charlie made about the group, so he made up a story about Charlie beating his wife Becky, and Charlie was shot and killed. 12 men were arrested and prosecuted for the murder with a man named Dayton Dean testifying against the others. It was Dayton who pulled the trigger, but 10 other men were also convicted and sentenced along with Dayton to life in prison. One of the 12 men was acquitted. So side note, the Black Legion was unaware that Becky Poole had a great-grandmother who was Mm African-American. So Charlie and Becky were white. What's interesting to me is these dudes made up a story so that they felt justified in killing her husband. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But what would have happened had they known that her grandmother was, her great-grandmother was African-American? Would they have spared her? Would they, you know what I mean? Like, would they have killed her?
0: Yeah, probably.
1: That's pretty messed up. So, Dayton Dean did exactly what most, quote-unquote, tough guys like the Black Legion tend to do. He ratted on his friends. This is from Wikipedia. Dean's testimony and other evidence stimulated investigations by Wayne County prosecutor Duncan Ray. He gained indictments into a series of other murders and attempted murders in the Detroit area during the previous three years. In total, another 37 men of the Legion were prosecuted for these related crimes, convicted and sentenced to prison terms. The trials revealed the wide network of Black Legion members in local governments, particularly in Highland Park. For instance, member N. Ray Markland had served as mayor of Highland Park. Members also included a chief of police and a city councilman in the suburb, in addition to persons in civil service jobs. Following the convictions and publicity, membership in the Legion dropped quickly. Its reign and terror ended in the Detroit area. Among the cases, the prosecutor indicted Black Legion members for the 1935 murder of Silas Coleman of Detroit. The African-American man had been found killed outside Putnam Township, Michigan, on May 26, 1935, nearly a year before Poole's abduction and murder. Members were also indicted for a 1933 conspiracy to murder Arthur Kingsley, a Highland Park publisher of a community paper, who was a candidate for mayor in 1934. They had planned to shoot him in 1933 because he ran against Markland, a legionnaire politician. Sixteen Black Legion members were indicted on Kingsley's case, including two factory policemen, a police officer, and several Highland Park City employees. At the time of his arrest, Markland was employed as an investigator in the office of Wayne County Prosecutor McRae. Nine members were convicted in this case, including Markland and Arthur F. Lupp Sr., then a milk inspector for the Detroit Board of Health. Through these cases, authorities learned that Mayor William Voisin of Ecorse, Michigan had been identified as a potential target of the Legion. Its members had had resented his hiring African Americans for city jobs. McRae prosecuted and gained convictions of a total of 37 Legion members on these and related charges beyond those charged in the pool case. All received prison terms, markedly reducing the power of the Black Legion in Detroit and Michigan. Among other murders linked to the Black Legion were two labor organizations, both from Eastern Europe. George Marchuk, secretary of the Auto Workers Union in Lincoln Park, was found dead on December 22, 1933, with a bullet in his head. John Belak, an AF of L organizer in the Hudson Motor Car Company plant, who had led a drive for a wage increase, quote, was found riddled with bullets on March 15, 1934, on a road about 10 miles from Monroe, Michigan. The arson squad of the Black Legion confessed to the August 1934 burning of the farm of labor organizer William Mullenhauer, which was located in Oakland County, Michigan, near Pontiac. Members also described numerous plans to disrupt legitimate political meetings and similar activities. The cases received international media coverage, and later, references were made in Hollywood, radio, and eventually TV mediums. To wrap this up with a little bow, this is from Our Detroit. Psychologists studied Legion members in custody. Most were Southern transplants with few industrial skills, nagged by a feeling of alienation in an urban environment that seemed to increasingly favor foreigners, minorities, and Catholics at the expense of the old-stock Protestants that had settled the nation." Detroit, one of the largest ethnic and racial melting pots in the country, was particularly threatening. The Legion offered members fraternity in a city of strangers and provided simple solutions in a complex, uncertain world.
0: Sounds about right.
1: Yeah. You know there's something messed up when psychologists are like, you know what? Let's go ahead and study these people. Yeah. Like, there's a reason for that.
0: And then you find out that it's all still the same today.
1: It is. Yeah. And it's terrible and it's we're coming up on an election again Mm -hmm. and you see so much hate and just and and it's all the same stuff they're Mm -hmm. trying to take our this away they're trying to force this on us they're trying and it's like i don't think that that's what's really happening but when you when you are one of these people and that's you know what you've been told your whole life and that's mm-hmm. what you've been brought up to believe this is what happens
0: right it's amazing how they the concept of individual freedom just gets thrown out the window
1: it's just it's absolutely insane yeah so that is our michigan true crime story of the week
0: horrible horrible yeah one. yeah michigan has kind of a uh, you know there there's some uh some some history of some racist organizations throughout the area like uh i got thinking about this because i don't know the exact location of this and if anyone knows let me know but there was a organization called the the german american bund which was big during world war ii Mm -hmm. and you know it was basically a a neo-nazi organization that uh they were you know i shouldn't say neo-nazi they were actual nazis at the time you know they were you know big supporters of hitler all that stuff, and uh, we're trying to like replicate, you know, certain things like the the Hitler Youth, mm-hmm. whatnot, and had a, a summer camp, you know, for people to send their kids to, like a, a Hitler Youth summer camp, and it was what? supposedly like, and and the camp was somewhere, I think, on Dixie Highway, somewhere between what? between Waterford and Holly. And I don't know exactly where the location of it is, but like part of that nagging little suspicion in me wonders if that's where the Renaissance Fair is. Oh now. my gosh! Like, who knows? Who knows? It's just—it's like I kind of want to
1: Google Hitler Youth Camp, but also I don't know that I want that in my search history.
0: Right? You and, know, and you won't find it on Google. <laughs> like you won't find the location on Google. Well, I'm not going to the dark web. It's been lost to history, which is good, I suppose, but it also sort of you know makes me wonder. Like, is that where the Renaissance Fair is? What now?
1: A, I mean. Yeah, I mean, we're gonna find, you know. Obviously, we've talked about this before. Like, what what happens after we're gone? People are gonna yeah. eventually dig up our bones, right? They're gonna they're gonna find artifacts, or and, just
0: pave over. Us, but yeah, but I know. mean,
1: that's that's obviously, you know, that's what happens. So who knows what we're standing on? I mean, yeah. we know part of what we're standing on, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, like who really knows what we're standing right. on?
0: I mean, that's the scary thing is it's so easy to erase history. It really is. It is, but it's also... All you got to do is stop teaching it.
1: But it's insane how these same things are continuing to happen. Like I wish I could say happening again, but that's not what's happening because Mm -hmm. they never stopped. They're still continuing.
0: Just a perpetual struggle.
1: And it's just mind-blowing to me to think that there's people out there in the world who are so angry that they are willing to take the life of another person because they don't have the same things like
0: what and it's crazy to me thinking you know growing up in the 90s like we did it's i swear i thought our generation was the one that's going to end racism i thought so too it's gone you know we're not going to have that problem going forward and then the internet comes along and disaffected people find weird forums and Mm -hmm. now you got what's going on today
1: yeah, it's just, it's, it's the same.
0: Just an insidious hatred that always manages to find its way through. It's
1: the exact same issues, just with different ways to express your grievances. Right. You know, used to be that you had to wait for the newspaper to come out and, you know, you'd write an op-ed or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now it's like you get on your Facebook, your Twitter, your whatever. Right. And, you know, just spew whatever nonsense.
0: Boy, I do miss the days of the one-way media. It's just not everyone should have a voice.
1: No I yeah I I wish that I believed that everybody could but people just can't be trusted like right. I, I I want individualism. I want people to be able to express how they feel and what they think. but when you can't be trusted to do that without spewing just right. nonsense, and
0: getting an army of your listeners to harass the survivors of a school shooting
1: it's just. It's so gross. And and to think, you know, and I was thinking about this the other day when I was writing this, and it was just like, wow, this stuff is still happening. Because at first I was like, I was thinking to myself, you know, I was having like an internal dialogue going, man, it's crazy that there was politicians involved in this. What a world. And then it's like, dude, there's still politicians involved in this, right? Yeah. Like there's still... There's still politicians. There's still people that we have chosen, you know, whatever side you're on, there's still people in the world that we have chosen to lead us that have these secret society situations that are so vile. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, what in the frick is happening? Like, why? And I just don't understand... Like, somebody somebody told me the other day, like, you're just so positive. I love how you're so positive. And I'm not positive 100% of the time. No. But I'm really trying. Mm-hmm. Because I look at other people around me and I'm like, whoa. Like, why are you so negative? Yeah. Right? Like, I can't imagine waking up every single day and hating everything and everyone around me. Right. I just can't. Like how much energy are you expelling being that hate, you know, hateful, like, it doesn't make sense to me. So I try as hard as I can to be positive, I try to be uplifting, I try to, you know, put a smile on my face. And yep, that sucked. I mean, we just had a situation last night, something happened, it was real crappy. And I had to figure out how to make it work. And I did. And after that, I actually slept last night. So I think that it was a good thing. But I could have sat on the couch and I could have cried. And I I could have sat on the couch and I could have done a whole lot of swearing and just been mad and, you know, hateful about it. But it was like, this is a situation I've been dealt. I have to accept this. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine waking up and being like, I don't like this group of people because they because I see them achieving more than I want to work for because I'm not a part of that clique yeah and so so instead of just being like you know what I'm going to educate myself I'm going to work harder I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring myself to that level Mm -hmm. instead of doing that I'm going to cause violence on them I'm going to like what tear it down it's crazy to me Mm -hmm. it's absolutely crazy to me And this stuff was happening in 1865, 1920, Mm -hmm. the 1930s, and here we are, 2022, the end of 2022, and it's still happening. Yeah, Why haven't you people learned? Anyway.
0: Yeah, I thought that was a good place to end it.
1: I gotta get off my soapbox. Yeah.